It's common for folks to think they are a bother to someone when they need help. Have you ever said that? Oh, man, I'm having a problem. I need to reach out. I don't want to be a bother. This kind of thinking is problematic to the body of Christ. And I'm not sure how to change that mindset. I'm not sure how to get people to stop saying that because so many folks do. They assume the person is busy. They're probably right. The person is busy, and they don't want to bother them. And though I appreciate the show of respect and kindness to whatever may be happening in the discipler's life, that perspective, I don't want to be a bother, is counterproductive to the Christian mandate to make disciples. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. This is episode 288. The title of it is, It's Time to Start Bothering People for Your Good. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because we had someone come to our forums in the last few days, and basically what I'm going to do here is I'm going to share with you what I shared with them. Now, they they have a situation in their life, but as they were describing the situation and their need for help, the individual made this comment, I would like to reach out to my pastor, but I don't want to be a bother. And I've heard that so many times in my life, and it kind of just leapt off the page. And so I I responded to the real issues in the individual's life. But I also wanted to highlight that one sentence because it is common speak with so many of us. You probably have said that or at least thought that. I want to reach out. I need to reach out. I need to talk to someone. I need help, but I don't want to be a bother. And so I wrote a long response just around that one idea, and I shared it, and then a couple of people responded to it, and I thought, well, okay, I probably need to archive this one. I need to extrapolate it a little bit more and then archive it. So I did. And so the first thing I did is I I took what I shared with that individual and I made a video, an eight minute, 17 second video. It's embedded inside these show notes. And so if you want to watch this video, you're welcome to do it. It's free to you. The title of it is Stop Saying I don't want to be a bother. And then, of course, you can listen to this podcast about this same theme. And then inside these show notes, I have a lot of embedded links. I have the commentary that I gave to this lady. I have an infographic here as well. So there's a lot of information here inside of episode 288. Now, the other reason I'm doing this is I'm feeling kind of cancel Lately, we live in a cancel culture. We're canceling everything. And I trust that there's somebody somewhere that's keeping a a list of all the things that we have that we are canceling. I just heard that we can't say brown bag anymore and we can't say picnic anymore. We're canceling everything. And so I want to play too. And so on our other network, Your Daily Drive, I did an article yesterday about this idea of being busy. People say, I'm busy. And that's such a wasted, that's such a redundant statement. It's so, it's so unnecessary. 
And so I canceled that as well. Don't say I'm busy. Don't say I'm busy anymore. That's like saying I breathe air today. And if you want to read that article or listen to that podcast, it's Your Daily Drive. It's an article. It's on our website. I would encourage you to read it because I talk a lot about time management. I talk about being busy the right way, being busy the wrong way. And, of course, this is the first of the year, 2021. And it's a good time to think about priorities and restructuring our lives, and it will be beneficial official to you to uh, to hone up to hone uh, time management practices and establishing priorities and so forth and it'll be a good conversation I'm sure with you and a friend but I canceled the idea of I'm busy well now because I'm feeling all cancelly I'm going to cancel this as well stop saying that I don't want to bother them now I want to get into this and I want to come at it from two sides. I want to talk about the person who says it, who makes this statement. And if you're that person, then I'm going to talk about the individual that you're talking about. I want to talk about the disciple maker, the person that you don't want to bother. And I want to talk about what a problem it is when you say, I don't want to bother a disciple maker and how that is a problem. So I'm going to come at it from both angles. But the most obvious problem with a person that says, I don't want to be a bother to someone is that it, it hinders the Great Commission. You remember what Jesus said when he wrapped up Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. We all know these words. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we are to go and make disciples disciples. Now, that is a reciprocal opportunity. There is the person who is going to make disciples, but there is a receiver of the disciple-making that is happening. The receivers of the disciple-making, they want to be open. They want to be willing. They, they want people uh, to speak into their lives. They want to have that humble attitude. They want to receive this help, and that allows those to fulfill the Great Commission. If everybody said, I don't want to be a, a bother and resisted disciple-making, well, it would, it would hinder and it could potentially halt the Great Commission. And so there are two ways to bring health to the body of Christ. And I'll bring it to the body of Christ as opposed to the work of evangelism, which is what the Great Commission is talking about here. Well, it starts off talking about evangelism, go and make disciples, and the first part of that is evangelism, and then there's sanctification. And when you get into the sanctification aspect, the body of Christ, there are two ways to bring health to the body of Christ. One is you being an active disciple maker, and then the other is letting people be active disciple makers. And so if you are if you are on the receiving end, and by the way, we operate on both ends of this. We're always in need. 
Uh, we're part of a body, and the body is always, think about your physical body, your physical body is always in need of itself in order for it to function and to be healthy and to be alive and breathing and pumping blood and doing all the things that the body does. We are always in need, and the body of Christ is that way as well. We need each other. It is not good for us to be alone. The human family should not be alone. We need each other. And so, therefore, there are two aspects of this idea of health in the body. One is people are actively going and making disciples, and then two, you're actively receiving that kind of care. Think about a local church body. If either one of those things stopped or was deformed in any way, it would damage that church body. If people did not have a mission-centric and an active mindset to go and make disciples, can you imagine what kind of problem that would be in a local church? A local church that where the people, where their first instinct is, is to go and to make disciples is a healthy church. But there is an obvious implied receiver, receptacle of that discipleship care. And so think about it from the other end. Imagine if we all sat around on Sunday morning in our local church buildings at the church meeting, and we all said, well, you know, I'm looking across the, the aisle over there, looking across the auditorium, and I would like to go ask, you know, Biff if, if he has any advice on this particular situation that I'm in. Uh, I don't want to be a bother Imagine how that, too, would damage the local church. And so we need to be thinking about both sides of this equation of going and making disciples. There is the active disciple-maker, and then there is the active disciple, uh, disciple-making receiver, if I could say it that way. Maybe another way that you can think about this is to use the physical body analogy, as I was mentioning earlier. But think about this. If you were sick, like you were really sick, would you have the same attitude about seeing a doctor? You know, I got COVID or I have something else. You know, I have a high fever. I have a broken arm. Uh, I have something's going on in, inside my, my spleen. My spleen is bothering me, whatever that, however that bothers you. And I need to go see the doctor, but you know, I don't, I don't want to bother him. Think about how irrational that is, and how much more vital is your spiritual well-being? And, and we, we do understand the physical part because it is physical, it's material, it's organic, and we can feel it, and we can see it, and, and we don't want to die, and all of that. And so there's more of an urgency to go and take care of our physical problems, and we don't typically think, well, I don't want to be a bother. And even if you think you are a bother, you press on anyway. You push through that barrier because there's something wrong with you. And you you may feel like you are a bother, but you bother. You bother that doctor because you're sick. Well, our spiritual well-being, our immaterial, our non-organic self, is we, we don't 
take that as seriously as we should. And honestly, this is the more serious part. This is the more vital part of our, our dichotomy. This old person is wasting away. It is dying, is going back to dust from whence it came. But this new person is being renewed day by day, and we will be spiritual beings eternally. And we want to take care of our spiritual selves. And when you are spiritually sick, to use the uh, metaphor, well, you want to you want to go, and you want to be a bother for the glory of God. Now, look at it from the disciple-maker's perspective. Yes, you should assume busyness. I mean, Christians should be very busy, always doing the work of the Father. And I talked about this in the Your Daily Drive episode yesterday, which again, it's actually linked here. The title of that article is, it's not are you busy, but how do you spend your time? And I talked a good bit about that, and I'm not going to recreate that here. But the unbusy Christian, as I said in that podcast, is an oxymoron. We are supposed to be doing the work of disciple-making. But if someone stops the flow of this work by inserting the notion of being a bother, then the Great Commission comes to a halt the doctor is sitting there. Nobody is seeing the doctor because all of the what could be patients have decided to insert the notion that I don't want to be a bother, and their sickness continues, and, and eventually they die prematurely because they didn't want to be a bother. You see, all discipleship opportunities are, are messy to varying degrees. As I've said oftentimes, I live on the underside of, of Christianity, the underbelly of Christianity. I, I live on the dark side where everything is messy because those are the people that come to me. I don't get the person who's struggling with joy, just crippled by joy. No, I get the people who have, uh, they're, they're struggling personally. They, they have uh, poor marriages or other things going on in, in their lives. And so discipleship opportunities are messy, and they do take time to resolve. But rather than seeing it as a bother, you should think of it as an opportunity to spread the fame of God. I mean, think about that. I mean, if the patient goes and sees the doctor and the doctor prescribes something and the patient applies something and the patient gets better, that, that is a huge opportunity to spread the fame of God. And that's how you should see it, even though they are messy. And it does take time to resolve whatever the issue is. Now, as far as that busy disciple maker that you don't want to bother. Honestly, I have less respect for the non-busy Christian than the busy one. I mean, how could a Christian not be busy? A person's busyness, assuming, of course, we're assuming they know how to be biblically busy, which I addressed yesterday in the article and, and the podcast, but a person's busyness should not deter anyone from asking asking for help. Now, I do realize that some people do not know how to do busy well. They are busy, but they're scattered, they're disorganized, they're frenetic, they're afraid to say no, they're without a structure, they're without a plan. But then there is busy like Jesus, which is a wholly other matter. And you want to bother those people. You want to at least ask. You see, 
you can be busy like Jesus, and you can be busy like the culture, that other type of busy, which is, is not good, because there is a difference both quantitatively and qualitatively. Jesus was busy, but he was strategic. For example, when someone tried to push his mother and his brothers onto his daytimer, onto his calendar, he gave an otherworldly response. Who is my brother? Uh, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? His quality of care for his family did not diminish because we see him taking care of his mother at the cross. His quality of care actually increased. Not only was he taking care of his mother and taking care of his brothers, but he took care of a whole lot of other people as well. Jesus knew how to be busy the right way, and so his quality of care was outstanding, and the quantity of his care was superb, and so he could meet the needs of so many people. Busy like Jesus. And therefore, when you have a problem, it is if the Christian is rightfully busy, he's pneumatic, meaning he's walking in the Spirit, and that enables him to make decisions that are illuminated by God, which keeps his priorities straight and his time managed. He dares to say yes or no, depending on what the need requires. And just like Jesus, I'm talking about being busy like Jesus. You have consistent quality of care, and you have extreme quantity of care because you know how to be busy the right way. And therefore, if you have a problem, you let that person decide. You don't make the decision for them. You let them decide. And Jesus decided with his mother and his brothers He had the courage to say, no, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? It's those who do the will of God. And again, he wasn't dissing his mother or his brothers because we know that he continued to take care of them, but he took care of a whole lot more. He knew how to do busy well. And so you don't interfere with the busy person's schedule by making those determinations for them. You let them make the decision. You see a busy, like Jesus Christian, they know how to say no. Let them tell you no. Let them say, uh, you know, I, I, I love you and, and I want to help, but I just can't at this time for whatever reason. I mean, people come to me all the time. They've been doing it today. They do it every day. You think I, I can help all these people that come? Not in a personal, uh, face-to-face way. And I have to learn to say no. I am very, very busy, but I never want anyone to to stop or 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 to to not give me the opportunity to give them some direction. And by the way, the people who came to me today, they received my help, just not through me, because we know how to be busy like Jesus. And so that's why I have said many times we have never turned anyone away by the grace of God, and we will never turn anyone away by the grace of God. That's not saying I will meet with everyone that asks or has a request, but we will give them the help that we can. We'll give them the help that they need. We will care for them because a busy person knows how to say no. A busy person knows when to say yes. A busy person has their priorities right. They're in this order, self, always self. This is the one time when you can really say 
I am number one. Because if you don't take care of yourself, everything else falls apart. Jesus was always pulling himself aside, going up in a mountain, praying all night, pulling his disciples aside. He had his priorities. He knew how to manage his time for you and me. If you're married, your order of priorities are yourself, regardless of who you are, it's yourself. And then if you're married, the second most important person in your life is your spouse. If you have children, then them, and then friends and church, and it continues to work out in those concentric circles. But that person knows how to do that because they can be busy like Jesus. They have accountability for their time management. And so I want you to just give some thought. I've been looking at the person that you don't want to bother. And so you think about that and let that illuminate you and, and do not, do not uh, take away the opportunity for them to be able to serve you or to be able to direct you or maybe even say, well, I can't help you. And I don't want folks making those decisions for me. I mean, it would hurt me to think that people appreciate what I do but yet they won't come and ask and seek help. That bothers me. I don't want them making that decision by not asking because they don't want to bother me. That bothers me. You know, it could be, and I want you to think about this. I'm not making a judgment of motives here, but I do want you to think it could be a sign of false humility, the reason you say that. I mean, just think for a moment could it be that the individual said, I don't want to be a bother? Could it be a way of masking, hiding behind humility for several reasons? One, they want it's a way to keep from revealing a need. They don't want other people to know. I know that's true in a lot of situations that people don't want to talk about their problems. They don't want other people to know. I've heard some people say they, they don't want to be a bother to their pastor and what they were really saying, and they'll go outside the church to, to get help. And what, what they're really saying, not in every situation, but in, in some of these situations, I know it's true because I've, I've unpacked that with them, that what the real thing was going on is they didn't want their pastor to know what was going on in their lives. And so they were going outside the church to get fixed, and they come back inside the church, and they can be fine, and nobody needs to know. And so it was false humility that was masking this idea. So this, I don't want to be a bother, was just, just a, a way to keep from revealing a need. And then tied to that, it can also be a way to keep from being transparent. People don't want to be open. Uh, we tend, our tendency, our default, our native default, Adamic tef, uh, default is to uh, walk around with fig leaves on, that we don't want to be transparent. And so we can use something that sounds humble. I don't want to be a bother when in reality we're not revealing a need. We're not being transparent. Number three, we don't want to be exposed. We don't want to expose our vulnerability. There is a risk to this, and I understand it because I'm a needy person as well. And you, when you begin to express that to other people, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position. And some people, some people had, some people had rather operate from the disciple-making end of the spectrum all the time, and they really don't want to operate on the receiving the disciple-makers care, uh, disciple disciple-makers care 
on the other end of the spectrum. They're more comfortable giving than receiving. There's a humility to receiving, especially when the receiving is exposing something about you. And so point number three, one of the reasons that this idea of I don't want to be a bother could be a sign of false humility. You don't want to reveal a need. You don't want to be transparent. You don't want to expose your vulnerability. And then number four, it's a way to keep from going through the grind of what help requires. As I was saying earlier, help is messy and help takes time. And there is a grind uh, to get through whatever the problem is. And some people just don't want to do that. And so you could throw down this idea, I don't want to be a bother. And when you hear that, when you hear somebody say that, that's why when it leapt off the page of that forum response that that person was saying about their pastor, when you hear that, I would appeal to you, if you have relationship, you feel it's right, then I want you to challenge that. I want you to get inside of that statement and see what is really going on. Some folks hide behind a facade of humility when it's really unwitting pride speaking. And I say unwitting pride because they're really not discerning what is going on there, that they they are living in that delusion. They actually believe what they said. They don't want to be a bother. And there may be some element of truth to that because none of us want to be a bother, but they're not thinking with enough depth and contour, enough layers there to realize that there is a, a lot that you're doing there by by saying that you don't want to be a bother like hindering the Great Commission. It's not their decision to make, but it's the disciple makers. And so let the disciple maker make the decision. And so when they came to Jesus and they said, your mother and your brothers are out here, they let Jesus make the decision. And he had the courage to basically put them off at that time. You don't want to quench the spirit by truncating opportunities, opportunities of the spirit in the discipler's life. If you have a need, God's word must compel you to reach out to those that you respect and they have the competence to help you. I'm not saying that that you should not be a bother to anyone that that you sometimes there's some people you shouldn't go to is what i'm trying to say and so the people that you are you don't want to be a bother to it's people that you respect and it's people that have the competence to help you and if that person if you respect them and they have the competence to help you then it's not your decision to make you go you try reminds me of the paralytic that they wanted to bother jesus so much so that they went to the rooftop and figured out how to lower him down down through the roof. They wanted to bother him. That's what you want. That's the attitude that you want. And, and again, you see this several times in the Gospels where people did that, some version of that to Jesus. And again, sometimes he said no, but let him make the decision. But if you say, if you hide behind this idea of I don't want to be a bother, there are several things that happen. You remain isolated from help. You cut yourself off from help. I'm not going to go to the doctor because I don't want to bother him. You isolate him from help. Number two, you keep a brother or a sister from the opportunity to step into what could be a God moment. God could do something fantastic in that moment, but because you didn't want to bother them, well, you kept them from it. Number three, you become the spirit, lowercase s, you become the spirit that determines what should happen in this situation. That's not a place where you want to be. 
And because you become the Spirit, number four, you grieve the Spirit by not following His prompting to find help. Number five, you don't engage the body of Christ. Like what I was talking about earlier, we're all sitting in our auditoriums on Sunday morning looking across the church building, and we don't want to be a bother, meaning we're not engaging the body of Christ. Imagine if your body did that, your physical body did that. You would die promptly. And then number six, you do not permit a brother or a sister to use their gifts. God has gifted them. He has given them a a specific gift mix, a skill set that they can use for a specific purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission, but you don't permit them to use their gifts. They have the hammer, they have the saw, they have the screwdriver, they have all the tools in their garage, but they're just getting rusty because you never bring uh, your need to the person so that they can use the gifts that they have. This is episode 288. It's time to start bothering people for your good. And so I'm all cancelly here. I am saying we can no longer say I'm busy because that the, the word busy, I'm busy, is a synonym for being a Christian. And so there's no need to say that. How was your week? Hey, you could say this. How was your week? I'm a Christian. That means you were busy. You're doing the Father's business. And then I've canceled. You don't want to uh, say, I am a bother. You don't want to do that. Now, at the bottom of these, these show notes here, I have uh, some questions, and I'll I'll hit you up with just a few of them. won't be able to get through all of them, but just to get things moving along in your mind so that you can be uh, applying this. Question number one, do you have the courage to say no to someone who asks you to do something? Now, this is a deal. This is a thing. Uh, there's a lot of people that do not they do not have the, the courage or the wisdom or the insight or whatever it is, uh, and they don't say no. Uh, and I, I've, seen, I've seen some people where they have identified people like this, and they say, well, they have the gift of mercy because they do so much for people. But no, that's not the gift of mercy, not in this context. It's the, it's the gift of fear of man is what it is, because they are afraid to say no. And so do you have the courage to say no to someone who asks you to do something? If you don't have that courage, perhaps you have a desire for their acceptance or you fear their rejection, and that controls you. That's called the fear of man. I have a couple other questions here I would love for you to read through. As always, if you want to talk to us, please bother us. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.